How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoley. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, so before Christmas, we had a little bit of a problem with the Kings. They were losing some games, and now they're winning again. They are back to being 11 points ahead of second place in their division. So we had a dip of worry, and now things are good again, and we're happy again, and it's wonderful. I'm not mad at them at all. I am very surprised to be feeling this way at the end of December, but I cannot complain because they have won their last three games, and I'm very happy about it. And not only, like, won their last three games – but, like, won them in really, really nice ways. The Kings have scored 14 goals in their last three games. I can't complain about that at all. That's amazing. Great job. How? Why? <laughs> and, I mean, even the they played Vancouver and Edmonton back-to-back. So the fact that they scored 10 goals in those two games is even more impressive because... And it was apparent, like, in the Edmonton game, they were dead tired at parts of it. But still partially is like some luck in the fact that the goaltender who was in for the Oilers kind of flubbed in a very weird short span of time all of a sudden but it was great (laughs) they scored four power play goals within that time which is bizarre we got some scoring from people we don't usually get scoring from um either because they're you know not doing so hot or they've just never scored a goal before um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, it's been a, a kind of a fun little holiday stretch here with the Kings. Yeah, I, I really liked the mix of scoring and the people coming together to make things happen. And part of that was due to injury. But um, some of it is like people who have been playing together for a while, finding a little extra jump or something like that. So the bad news is that Jeff Carter got injured very early in the Arizona game. And it, it there was nothing dirty about it or whatever. He just got tangled up on the face-off. Um, and his, I, I assume they've just called it upper body injury. But it looked like his wrist just wasn't um, feeling right. He took a shot. And then he left pretty much right after his first shift. And um, is now day-to-day with an upper body injury. But on the flip side, the Kings also got a player back. Dwight King made his season debut in the game against Edmonton, and then scored the first goal in the game. So welcome back to him. Yeah, seriously, because while you may think, like, on the surface, being like, oh, damn, we lost Jeff Carter, but we got back Dwight King, not exactly the most equal of, you know, (laughs) trades in terms of quality of players, but Dwight King showed us wrong and scored a goal um, his first game back. So nice job. I've thought about Dwight King at random times throughout the season, and then was, like, still somehow surprised by how just, like, glad I was to see him play tonight. Um, but I was I was excited for him. I was like, oh, Dwight King, I missed you. Yeah, I was supremely happy. Like, I cannot even tell you how weirdly happy I was for Dwight King. Yeah, I was stoked for him. Stoked for him. And then to see him score was even better. Um, he was on a line with Dustin Brown and Trevor Lewis. And that line, like, not only did he come back into the lineup, but then that line had a really strong game. Yeah, so it was it was good to see him sort of get going again and then immediately have a positive impact on the game. It probably helps that he was playing on the second night of the back-to-back, and it was against the Oilers, who, even though they had the advantage because the Kings were tired and they, they dominated stretches of that game because of that, um, he still got his legs going and looks looks pretty good and obviously the results were there for the Kings he was making sure he was in front of the net at parts and whatnot um so glad to see him back and bring a little bit more experience back to the lineup even though it's been exciting to watch the brand new guys get in there and make an impact as well it was a great night for that line because all of them scored a goal Dwight King scored a goal Trevor Lewis scored one Dustin Brown on the power play <laughs> yeah. um so all of them had excellent nights Mm-hmm. I loved that. And I after that. after like they've had so many games where they've just looked amazing, but they weren't able to score anything, and all we can do is give them props for trying and having scoring chances, but it sucks that we can't be excited about a goal. But finally, all of that is kind of paying off, or it's just finally like clicking into place. 
And they've all been scoring uh, some goals these last few games, and that's very exciting. Both Dustin Brown and Trevor Lewis had three point nights against Edmonton. That's awesome. <laughs> well done to both of them. <laughs> yes. Dustin Brown, who was also just like destroyed in the nose. Yeah, early in the game, he got hit by um, a puck that just sort of, I guess, popped up on him while he was trying to battle for it against the boards, and he had to go off to get that sort of tended to and just kind of spent the entire game vaguely bloody with, like, tissue up his nose or something. It was so (laughs) So. great seeing him be so joyous about other people's goals since he was on the ice for, you know, three of them. Um, Right. (laughs) But just, like, being celebratory, but while having just like this bloody crusty nose but like smiling so (laughs) wide it was the weirdest (laughs) juxtaposition but it was great yeah i'm glad he didn't actually get hit in the eye or anything uh sorry that he was in any pain at all but at least it wasn't terrible and he was still able to have a really productive night so if you're gonna accidentally get hit in the face with a puck i guess that's the the best possible outcome considering exactly dustin brown has five points in his last four games which is really exciting like last podcast we both were like we want to see him get going we want to see him score goals and stuff and now it seems like he is having things sort of roll and have a little bit of a a cluster of good positive things getting on the score sheet which i'm really happy for because he's been working really hard and i hope this continues for him yeah so you're welcome everyone as we, I'm sure it was, our griping was directly responsible for him having so many goals. And um, to be fair, he should have one more point. Yeah. But he does not because uh, apparently uh, it was Derek Forbert's goal, his first goal in the NHL. Yeah, which is exciting. I love that Derek Forbert has scored his first goal, but it definitely looked like Dustin Brown tipped that puck. I love that he went and complained. When it was credited to him. And I love that it became kind of a thread. Like when Brayden McNabb scored his uh, goal later and Jim Fox is like, I think uh, Dustin Brown got a a piece of it. Dustin (laughs) Brown is sitting there on the bench. Um, It was pretty, pretty small. Everyone has Dustin Brown's number, but I mean, like, what can you say? He didn't need that goal, I guess, giving it to Forbert. That's awesome. Like, okay, we'll take it. I love Dustin Brown, and a moment like that is part of why he's like, even though, even Derek Forbert was like, it looked like Brown got a piece of it, but apparently, like, Brownie right in the huddle right after they scored it was like, I didn't touch it, like, immediately. <laughs> he knew what his story was right away. That's like, I didn't touch that's that like block. dad status, like, helping your kid you know, score a goal and be like, that was all you. I did nothing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he's like standing behind you, holding your hands as you like <laughs> knock the puck into the goal. It's like, good job. Like, I didn't right. do it. I did nothing. So nice, nice job for being an encouraging dad to everyone, Dustin Brown. Team dad, Dustin Brown. Yep. Yeah, that was amazing. So I loved that. And congratulations to you, Derek Forward, on getting his first goal. Uh, he... I mean, I don't know. I still enjoy seeing guys get into the lineup and have some success. Michael Mersch got his first goal um, against Edmonton. Also super exciting. Really cool. Way faster than I kind of thought that he would, considering the kind of time that he plays and, you know, things like that. But And it was a legitimate goal, not one that was given to him by Dad Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was um, kind of a mess up by... The Edmonton defense, but um, yeah, it was great. Mersh capitalized on it, um, helped Andrew, Andy Andrew off uh, over by the boards and scored his first goal, and it was really exciting. Yeah, and he said in his post game that it's pretty much his wheelhouse. Like that's what he does. He's someone who goes to the net and tries to get those you know loose rebounds and knock them in and whatnot. And that's exactly what happened on this one. So good to see him both have that moment and score his first goal but also do it in a way that shows that he was playing the game that he knows that he can and um possibly indicating that he's really adjusting really well to this to this lineup now Uh, and hopefully that is just the first of several yep so two players in the last few games have gotten their first nhl goal so even more like you know not only are the kings winning but you know some milestones for some players it's been a good it's been a good uh, holiday. It's really been a good stretch. I don't know why I'm so amped about it. Maybe because I know last week we were like, oh, yeah, they're so far ahead of everyone in the division. It's probably going to be fine. 
but maybe it might be terrible. And actually, because they were playing, you know, teams that aren't so great, Arizona, Vancouver, and Edmonton, and they kind of tend to, for whatever reason, fall apart. And they actually did amazingly well. They didn't squeak by, um, eh, I mean, they let Arizona come back a little, but they didn't, you know, tiptoe by and, like, win. They won pretty considerably against all these teams. So I'm just, like, super amped about how well they have been playing. Yeah, I think, honestly, the way that the Arizona game ended is probably part of why the next two wins are really exciting, on top of those games being back-to-backs, and you just never really know what's going to happen with a team. Like, if they're too tired, maybe they lose it miserably or something like that. But I think because of the game against the Coyotes, A, because the Kings had inexplicably not won against the Coyotes yet this season, and then they had that lead, and all of a sudden things just sort of fell apart at the end, starting with Jake Muzzin being given a match penalty, and thus the Coyotes having a um, five-minute power play. That was a horrible situation (laughs) to watch as a Kings fan. And, of course, they scored the two goals and tie it up and head into overtime. Um, But because the Kings pulled out the win there and then had such a dominating game against Vancouver and then still managed to really pull out some great moments in this game, I think it does make it feel way more exciting than if they had just sort of gone through and played decent games in every place. That ending in Arizona was so wild. Um, and I had spent like most of the game being like, mm, this is kind of boring. Yep. But then I was like, well, I could do with it being less exciting than this. Pretty <laughs> much. Like partway through the third, you know, the Kings were up 3-1 and you were kind of like, well, this is probably what it's going to be. And then Jake wasn't gets that call. And one, I also would have, not that I ever want anyone to get a match penalty or for, for the Kings to be on, a, on an extended like penalty kill, but I just hate that it was against the Coyotes and that they capitalized it. Like, that just right, yeah. bothers me to no end. If some other team had done it, I would have been annoyed. But, you know, sale of it happens. But for whatever reason, it just irks me ten times. It's one of those irrational things. It irks me ten times more that it was the Coyotes um, that got the opportunity and actually did something with it. Just in the end there, it was just – it was even more agony. Were you able to watch that hit happen live? Like, I had it on, but – um. I had people coming over sort of as that game was ending. So I was like half paying attention, half kind of running back and forth like, oh, my God. Um, did you see it when it first happened? No, because I I wasn't able to watch it live, but I was kind of like I'd watched part of the beginning and was kind of following it along. But once the Kings were up 3-1, I was like, I think I know how this is going to end. I was <laughs> I wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. And all of a sudden it got like the little alert on my phone, like at the end of every period period of it being a 3-3 tie and I was like wait what now and had to go back and actually catch up as to what was going on so unfortunately I didn't see it live or maybe fortunately I don't know if I would have been able to handle it it was wild to see live and I mean I don't think he should have gotten that match penalty and the league did end up rescinding it but I can see how in the moment because everything happened so fast you might think it was just a poorly executed check but what really seemed to happen in all the replays um, was that Jake Muzzin had lined up for a check and then Boyd Gordon drops down to try to make a play for the puck or something. And he goes low sort of after Jake Muzzin already committed to the check. So he ends up getting hit in the face by Jake Muzzin's butt, um, <laughs> which is super unfortunate. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to him. But at the same time, I don't think it was actually um, – a malicious play worthy of a match penalty or anything like that uh, for Jake Muzzin and Rich Hammond actually raised sort of an interesting point on Twitter after the league rescinded it too was he said that he not that he wants to be like video review for everything all the time but in other leagues a match penalty is is reviewable in the situation and um, that isn't the case in the NHL and so he tweeted Muzzin's penalty could have cost the Kings that game, and then two days later, the NHL essentially says, nah, never mind. Um, Because, again, like, the Kings were up 3-1 prior to that penalty, and then uh, during that penalty, Martinez took a delay a game, and that's how they scored their first goal, was on a 5-1-3, the Coyotes. And so, like, if that match penalty doesn't happen, maybe... Obviously, the Kings aren't on the power, the first power play, but then maybe Martinez doesn't take that second penalty because they're not in their zone. So... I don't know. Yeah, I think that is a strange situation. Do you think something like that should be reviewable? Um, I think it probably should. 
Um, but then once again, it's going to take so uh, take quite a bit of time, like away from the game. And I understand why you don't want it to be a constant, like reviewing time. Like we like hockey because it's fast paced, and you know right. we see penalties that get called all the time that are wrong. You know, once you kind of slow it down and be like, ah, he didn't really hold him at all, or like that wasn't. Like, that was barely a trip, or that was totally some other player that high-sticked him, not, you know, a Kings player or something like that. And it sucks, but, say, like, it happens. So, I mean, what's to say? I mean, in this case, it's obviously a longer penalty, so maybe it should be reviewable. But it's one of those things that, I mean, it happens a lot. You kind of just have to shrug it off. I wouldn't mind if it was added to video review. I think maybe make it part of... um one of the things that, like, coaches can challenge. And then it's kind of like, I mean, I feel like in a lot of cases coaches would take it, but then it's sort of up to them. Maybe if they don't see it as cleanly, they'd miss that opportunity. But I do think it makes sense to have it available if the direct consequence of it is now a team has five minutes to score as much as they want with the man advantage, Um, particularly at the very end of a game. But uh, overall, like, luckily the Kings were able to pull it out. But, like, because of that, a call that later the NHL was like, man, this was nothing. The Coyotes were able to squeeze a point out of that game too, which is good for them. But in a divisional game, maybe in the long run, it's sort of a problem in the standings. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm being very, you know, blithe about it right now, but it's a game in the middle or at the end of December. It's not crunch time yet. Like if this was a game in March and things were heating up, then I might be, you know, stomping my feet a little bit more. Um, But I agree. Like, if it's something for a match penalty and it's five minutes, um, that should probably be reviewable. But, I I mean, I kind of understand why it's not. Um, But, yeah, I was – I would be – I would definitely be a little bit more concerned if this was later on in the season. But I guess I'm kind of just kind of whatever about it because the Kings are 11 points ahead. It's the end of December kind of shrugging my shoulders at it at this point. I mean, they could be 12 points ahead. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think in this instance we could totally get over it, but I did think it was an interesting point, especially the comparison to other leagues where something that has that much of an impact on the game yeah. is reviewable, um, and the NHL is sort of different and or behind in that case. Uh, so that, but again, it was rescinded, so it's not on his record. Um, he was not given any supplementary discipline or anything like that, so almost like it never happened with the exception of those two goals and what that does to the numbers for both teams a little bit. It was by the grace of uh, Andre Kopitar that he oh, man. finished that quickly and beautifully oh, at the end. It was amazing. It was like classic Andre Kopitar. Trick the goaltender a little bit, get him to go down and nice backhand move. I love that move. That move was done in, was it game seven against the Sharks? Was that like the goal? Yeah. Where it was like, oh, they're not coming back. <laughs> that's a beautiful, that's a wonderful Andre Kopitar moment right there. Wait, was, that was, was that the one where Justin Williams was like super patient against the boards? I think so. I think and then the Andre Kopitar was just super patient waiting for the goalie to bite and then just rocked it backhand and it was glorious. Oh. <laughs> it's beautiful. So nice. And yeah, it, and it made uh, Jim Fox give his like appropriate like oh and just like kind of (laughs) laugh about it so that's always charming to me too (laughs) yeah always love that moment so at least the kings did pull it out and i think because of that especially because that overtime goal was so beautiful it i did feel pumped kind of for the for the next two games after that and the kings then crushed the canucks just crushed them (laughs) um that was amazing crushed the team crushed the fan spirit you know so on and so forth Um, And because Jeff Carter was out, we have seen some variation in the lineup. First, uh, Andre Kopitar was basically double shifted in the game against Arizona. But in the game after that, we got to see a line of Lucic, Kopitar, and Toffoli. And Kopitar followed up his awesome overtime goal with a four-point performance against the Vancouver Canucks, which um, also contributed to a Tyler Toffoli hat trick. Wonderful draft. So many good things are happening. So many of them. Um, so players are getting their first goals of the uh, of their NHL career. 
Tyler Toffoli finally gets a hat trick. Unfortunately, it wasn't one against Martin Jones, which would have been my greatest dream. (laughs) But it was still over a divisional rival, so I will definitely take that one. I I think because of the way the third goal happened, it was a tip-in and it was like on a fast play, I was not even prepared for the hat trick to be a thing. And then I was like, oh my god, it's happened. Wow. <laughs> it was like surprise hat trick, kind of. Um, but I loved it. It's it funny how Jim Fox is saying it after, too, about how, you know, once you kind of get up there in goals, everyone tries to throw you the puck to get you that hat trick. And, I, you know, yeah. the second anyone gets two and it's, you know, someone like Tyler Foley or Jeff Carter or Andre Kopitar or something like that, I'm like, yeah, let's let's get a hat trick. If it's someone like Dwight King with two goals, I'm like, yeah, it might not happen. Um, (laughs) But I still just, like, was not – everything happened so quickly that I just was not ready for Tyler Toffoli to get that hat trick. Because I feel like even when guys do start to set them up, it's like they start making crazy stretch passes or something to try to get that player, like, a breakaway opportunity to go in for it or, you know, on, like, the power play, wait for him to be, like, wide open on on the weak side or something like that. But this was just, like, the Kings were sort of rotating, I think, right before that – Alec Martinez or somebody else had their own tip-in opportunity that didn't quite work out. And so then they just quickly redid it and um, to fully move to the middle and his worked. So I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's one of those things where now. like the Kings were on a power play. So I wasn't really prepared for that either. And yeah. <laughs> like the, for them scoring goals, of course. And, and then Tyler fully scoring that hat trick. And I loved that a few people threw their hats, their hats on the ice. Yeah. That oh. was great. I love seeing that in, um, a visiting arena. That's amazing. He, yeah, so great, great moment for him. Second career hat trick. He also scored a goal against Edmonton um, 16 seconds after Michael Mersh's goal. So that was wild. Just Tyler Toffoli's having a great time right now. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing very well. Did a little quick number crunching, and he has 18 goals in 36 games, which puts him on pace for an amazing 41 goals over 82 games. I don't think that's going to happen, but I love that it is a possibility at this particular moment. Oh, see, I was totally going to be like, yeah, maybe he'll score 50. I'm like, (laughs) for whatever reason, I'm going so optimistic right now. I'm like, I think he can beat that. He's going for 50. He can do it. He's got it. (laughs) I mean, he could get another hat trick this season. That would help out a lot. Yeah. towards making that a, a reality. Um, so he right now he is tied for fourth in goal scoring. I think he was technically listed at like 10th or 9th or something because of, I don't know, probably games played and stuff, but whatever. In terms of actual goal numbers, he is tied for fourth. Jamie Benn is first, and then that dude from Chicago and Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis are tied for second. Third, I believe, is Tyler Sagan. And then Toffoli is tied for fourth with... Joe Pavelski, Alexander Ovechkin, and Mike Hoffman, which is a weird assortment of people <laughs> for fourth, but that's what it is. One person I would totally expect one person <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy about, and then those other two. <laughs> um, Mike Hoffman, just an interesting tidbit on him, because this morning I actually read it in Elliot Friedman's 30 Thoughts. I guess he's up for a new contract, and he's not someone that people really talk about. I mean, I hear some about him, but he doesn't come with, like, the hype of other people who score as much as he does. Like, he noted that there are 51 players who, like Mike Hoffman, have um, consistently been, like, a .73 points per game player over the last two seasons. Four of them are on entry-level contracts, and that's Philip Forsberg, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, and... Uh, the last one is escaping me, but it was somebody else who was like a little more recognizable, probably because they're young and scoring a lot. Um, and then of the like 47 remaining, almost all of them make over $5 million. So it was kind of, it's kind of an interesting question of like, Mike Hoffman has been playing really well for the last couple of seasons. Nobody really knows who he is outside of the Senators. Um, is he going to make a lot of money? So, so um, a little interesting to watch with that Mike Hoffman character. Yeah, I totally forgot what team he played for until you just said it. I was, like, hoping that you would say it so that I wouldn't have to look it up right now. Yeah, Mike Hoffman plays on the Senators. Because once again, like we talked about before, that we forgot that the Senators the senators even existed. So 
I certainly wasn't really going to remember any team <laughs> member on there. But yeah, so he obviously not getting too much attention, not a big name, but is doing quite well yeah, for himself. Like, surprise surprise Mike Hoffman. Surprisingly well, yeah. <laughs> um I think for Tifoli, an interesting thing that I noticed is that of all of the people who have scored the same or more goals than him so far this season, he still has less time on ice on average even though he's now pretty consistently on the second line. So that was an interesting tidbit, I noticed. So, lots of room to grow for Tyler Toffoli, even though he's doing amazingly well. And I hope it continues. I want at least 30 goals. I think it's extremely possible he only has 12 more to go and still, like, half the season. I dig it. I think he can do it. Um, Oh, he's also, Tyler Toffoli, for the moment, the Kings' new scoring leader. He's passed Jeff Carter with his goal tonight against the Oilers. So that's cool, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's past Jeff Carter. He has 29 points right now. Um, so he can enjoy that while Jeff Carter is out because I'm sure once Carter comes back, he will they'll be back to sort of being kind of neck and neck. Um, probably slightly more interesting, though, is because people talked about Kopitar's slow start in terms of, like, assists and stuff. But now Andre Kopitar is only two points back from the scoring leader, and I think between him and Toffoli, it's much more likely that Kopitar will continue to get assists rather than Toffoli score goals in rapid rapid succession. So Andre Kopitar probably going to be the Kings scoring leader pretty soon. Once again. I love how it's it wasn't like a slow build into it. It's like, oh, let me have a four-point night. Yeah. <laughs> like, you couldn't have like a, a point a game or anything like that. Just like one game. Right. Four points. Here I Let's am. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you forget about me. I think it's always interesting with players as they get older, especially as they get close to and then hit 30, people like immediately are like, oh, where's the drop off at? And so... With Kopitar, because he had that slow start, people were like, oh no, is this Kopitar's decline? And, like, obviously players produce less the older they get, but it, I don't, it was strange to watch people be like, I don't know, maybe he doesn't have it anymore. And now Kopitar's like, I'm here. It's, it's fine. I'm here, guys. What's up? No, it's just a slow, it's, it was just a slow start. Everyone slow your <laughs> yeah. roll. Like, I'm still hanging, I'm, I'm not still done doing yet. fine. Calm down. Yeah. And I'm excited to see it. I love watching Kopitar do amazing Kopitar things. Yep, pretty much. Did I forget any players? Tanner Pearson scored a goal, and I was very happy about it. He hasn't scored since early December. Oh, right, yeah. But I felt like it felt longer than that. Um, He scored uh, a goal in the game against Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, he scored one against Arizona, and it was... One of the, besides Andre Kopitar's overtime goal, it was the only other one that was five on five. Oh, yeah. Um, everything else was some sort of like special teams power play goal. So good job, mm-hmm. Tanner Pearson. Yeah, I always love when Tanner Pearson scores. He's he's never a player I feel like I com- have to complain about or, or like feel disappointed in very often, but he has been scoring less consistently. I mean, I don't know how he was ever supposed to sort of keep up with that crazy pace he had early last season but he I like when he scores and it was a really good goal for him and I think the weird thing about this season is he has been moved around quite a bit so it's also sort of like unless he's having those moments where things are going really well I don't think about him as much not even in a bad way because it's not like he's fucking up either but it's sort of like without the consistent like oh he's on that second line it's I'm like oh right Tanner Pearson (laughs) What's up? So it was good to see him score and remind me that he is actually consistently there um, and trying to create offense. Yep. He is still around. He was playing with Gabrick and Nick Shore. In tonight's game? Yeah. Pretty, that's an interesting line. Pretty much. All right. Yeah, that's a really friggin' weird line. Okay. I feel like the Kings defense has been having good and very noticeable games recently we've been getting scoring from defensemen um there have been some unfortunate moments like with jake buzzin but that was wiped away braid mcnab hit one of the sedines up high and didn't get any supplementary discipline but probably should have gotten like a game a fine something because he did like elbow a guy in his head yeah but then nothing happened i don't really know and then he took a weird retaliation penalty after he was tripped and it wasn't called tonight i think braid mcnab needs to chill out a little bit but um Overall, continue, I guess. He did score recently, so that's fine. As long as, yeah, the Kings have been doing a lot better about staying out of the penalty box. Um, I guess maybe barring the game against Vancouver, 
where there was just like writing, uh, writing, fighting and roughing. Yeah. And there was just like that weird like spat at the beginning of the first period, uh, which is bizarre. Yeah. But other than that, the Kings have been a little bit better about taking dumb penalties. So we don't need Brandon McNabb to spur anyone on to doing stupid stuff like that. Yeah, let's get that away. And I, I mean, I guess probably it's like a division thing, too. But it does seem like... Yeah. Because was it the Coyotes game that, like, Lucic, who has been surprisingly, like, reserved for a lot of the season since that first game, took a retaliation penalty that was kind of stupid, and then they ended up getting scored against or something like that? Uh, everybody just chill out. Don't do any of that. Pretty much. Just everyone, stay calm. Everyone, it's okay. You are, once again, 11 points ahead of <laughs> right. every other team, and at least 11 points ahead over every other team in the division. No need to get all yeah. riled up. Yeah, let's just, you know, keep it low. Take it down from a 10. Put it at about, like, a 6. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I bring it up, though, the defense, because they, for the most part, have been really great recently, and still the rumors persist that the Kings are looking for a defenseman before the trade deadline. And there's maybe a little bit more clarity on that now that is not um, actually, it's not actually very worrisome. So two things, Friedman in his 30 thoughts post from today, one where I read the Mike Hoffman thing about also included a tidbit that read quote, sounds like the Kings who tormented Vancouver Monday night are really doing their research into defensemen who could fill Matt Green's role. Nothing imminent, but a lot of legwork, which actually is kind of a relief <laughs> that what they're looking for is somebody who could be a consistent guy that they really depend on in place of Matt Green, rather than for whatever random reason, they're just unhappy with their defense um, and looking to replace uh, a, a bigger person maybe. So it's like, Jamie McBain has been good enough considering the circumstances, but they maybe want someone who is not Jamie McBain. And they've scratched Christian Ehrhoff a lot. But another thing I read, and this one is from John Hoven, is that there is a handshake deal in place not to trade Ehrhoff this season. And I don't, I really don't want, I think it would be a mistake for the Kings to get rid of Ehrhoff. They still, Sutter still scratches him all the time, which I disagree with. But they have, they're, they're unlikely, I would, I'll say, to, to trade him this season unless they just go back on that handshake deal, so to speak. That makes me feel a little better about the defenseman rumors. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, that makes me feel good just because it means that the Kings won't be so quick to trade prospects or younger players or what have you. It's not um, an absolute necessity to get anyone. It'd be nice, you know, that we'll probably get someone. Uh, but it's not, like, live or die. Uh, so they don't have to make any rash decisions to try to, you know, change up the team in order to make it into the playoffs. Everything's, everything's for the most part, okay. So, um, yeah, it's it's good that it's, you know, something somewhat of a stopgap while Green is injured. And just to have someone to be, like, a stay-at-home. Like, that's... That's fine. That's good. Like, everything else is working. I'm glad Erhoff's not going to, fingers crossed, not get traded. So I think I just like that the way that they describe things, there's not this huge sense of urgency. And so that I won't be personally victimized by some horrible trade that they make later on. <laughs> right. um, and so some sort of desperate ploy to make it into the playoffs. Yeah. So that just makes me feel more confident about them sticking to this lineup and them sticking to this like group of guys and I just feel good about the way that the Kings are playing especially since they're not like actively like they're researching fine do that whatever but they're not actively like searching for that one missing piece that they need I think it is um I feel like early rumors were also like the Kings are looking for a top four defenseman which maybe is a concern for next season, if they don't re-sign Erhoff and they don't feel, for whatever reason, that Alec Martinez or Braden McNabb, who are currently part of that second pairing, um, or no, Braden McNabb is playing with Drew Daddy. But anyway, if uh, Alec Martinez and Braden McNabb, who is still you know younger, <laughs> 
can't fill those roles or, you know, plug those top four minutes consistently, then okay, deal with that over the summer. But it is much less scary if they're looking for someone to replace Matt Green, who is a third pairing defenseman, then we need to find a top four defenseman by the deadline. Because like you said, I don't want to see them trade away really valuable assets trying to find something that may not be out there if what they're looking for is a shutdown defenseman, which doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> not the way they think of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely made me feel a little more comfortable. I was like, cool, I'll chill out, keep on researching, don't jump any guns, don't trade for Rob Scuderi. Please do not trade for Rob Scuderi. Um, yeah, so that just makes me feel just more confident and better about the Kings and the faith that they have in the team. And, yeah, so I just feel better going into the new yeah, year. Yeah, me too. Um, quick updates on some former Kings. Ben Scrivens, now a Montreal Canadian. Random, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, in a, in a trade with, like, what, who was it, Cassian? I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why these people? Why these teams? Oh. Makes zero sense. Maybe Montreal's scared because now the Florida Panthers oh, right, right. are leading the division so they're really needing to get back into it but um probably not so that was kind of just like a bizarro trade they are operating still without carrie price and they were at one point i think they did win not this game they didn't win ben scrimmon's first game but the game before they won prior to that win they had gone one nine and zero in 10 games so <laughs> they like they started out the season as kind of like a juggernaut winning all of their games some of them kind of lucky and buoyed by goaltending as been the case in the past but some of them like really legitimate they have um, gotten a little bit better but now they're not picking up standings points and like you said the Panthers jumped over them and are now leading that division so it is an interesting time for Montreal and I guess with Carey Price out they do want some more consistency in goaltending and maybe Ben Scrivens can provide it but it's still like randomly Ben Scrivens is a have <laughs> okay yeah Bizarre. Yeah, by the way, Florida has won seven games in a row. That's insane. That's awesome. I'm very happy about that. I like it, too. I will be even more excited when, as it has been reported, they change their uniforms and revamp their logo. Then I will be super <laughs> excited because I think that they have the worst uniforms in the league and they haven't really changed for years and years. Um, so once they got a fresh new look and continue in this like upward trend, I'm down for it. You go, Florida Panthers. Do it. Yeah. You you do you. You're, you know, they did the whole, like, revamp in terms of not, you know, just giving away tickets willy-nilly, just letting it happen if their arena wasn't, you know, filled. And the, they've been playing better. So, you know, kudos to them. I um, That just reminds me that a, few, a couple of years ago, probably, bef like, right before we started this, we... You and I talked about the Florida Panthers and wanting to randomly jump on their bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. And would say, win it for Ed. Um, Ed being Ed Jovanovsky, who is their captain. Um, we didn't know anything also, about this team at the time. We knew literally nothing. We had to look him up. We kept forgetting his name, but we decided to say, just do it for Ed. And uh, now they are. <laughs> he's he's like been gone though and we were actually we're gonna I try know. to be on the panthers bandwagon but then they like lost a bunch of games and it was depressing so we were like mm, we're not ready for this <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but now there's it's too much losing to be on this bandwagon <laughs> yeah. but now we're ready <laughs> good things are happening about the florida panthers they have some good prospects coming in i i mean yeah it looks exciting for them and i hope that you know continues in that direction i would like I like it when non-traditional markets who have plenty of sunshine have a lot of success. So keep at it. Um, I also just had definitely had to look up Ed Jovanovsky's name again just to make sure <laughs> that I was like saying it right or thinking of the right Oh, person. man. Uh, all right. So other former Kings player news. More rumors that there are teams still keeping an eye on and have an interest in Mike Richards. Mayor's Manor says several teams, and he mentioned, John Hoven mentioned, the Oilers and the Washington Capitals, and then Elliot Friedman mentioned that another team was the San Jose Sharks. All of these options have their own pros in terms of narrative entertainment. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't, I, I really would love for it to be the Sharks, but... Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. For maximum, <laughs> maximum narrative entertainment, he has to go to the it Sharks. It has to be the Sharks. Like, come on. It has to be. 
I, I, I mean, all of them are fine as long as they want to give Mike Richards a job. And I think of those three teams, the one that is clearly having the most success is the Washington Capitals, which is why I'm kind of confused by why they want him, especially at this particular point in time. But uh, they're interested, according to some people. I would kind of love him on the Oilers, though. Just like that old veteran, the growly veteran um, teaching those youngins the ropes. Can you imagine Mike Richards and Taylor Hall on the same team? Just, like, bitching about things together. <laughs> I mean, not even anything Honestly, nice. Just yes. Them talking. Yes, I can imagine that. <laughs> I feel like that would be pretty entertaining. Especially, even though the Oilers, like, played like they did tonight. Like, even though the Kings were tired, they still let the Kings get, like, 33 shots on goal. Which is a mess. They outshot the Kings and had, like, 40-something shots of their own. But they still allowed the Kings to get 30-plus. Which is terrible. So... In in my own dreams, because they had that moment where they were technically in third place in the playoff spot, I really want them to make the playoffs. So I would love it if Mike Richards ended up on the Oilers and they did randomly <laughs> make it to the playoffs. I think it could be an exciting, messy time. Uh, we just want to watch the league burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always just want the outcomes that make me laugh the most. Plus, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> plus the LA Kings with the Stanley Cup. That's basically how I think about the NHL. We want hell and brimstone and fire and trash to be, like, the path to the Kings winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> like, everything else can be just garbage and ridiculous um, as long as the end result is the Kings winning the Cup. That's really it. That's where I'm at every time. <laughs> The number of times we have conversations where it's just like, wouldn't it be funny? Or like, wouldn't it be great if <laughs> this random thing happened and it was yeah. hilarious? Yeah. Yep. That's how we roll. Of the three teams, I don't really understand why the Capitals are interested. Like I said, the Oilers were one of the teams that Dean Lombardi was in talks with before he was terminated. Um, right. So it's not entirely surprising that maybe they would still have some interest. And with the Sharks, he has a relationship with, uh, is it DeBoer? Right? who he played for at one point in his career and who still thinks that Mike Richards can be good and really offer something to a team. So I think those two, I would guess, probably um, the more likely of of all of the choices. And then I still want it to be San Jose, but we'll see. Peter DeBoer, who also uh, gave us the jewel of a quote about Mike Richards. What was that? Running you over with his car, but coming to visit you in the hospital later? Yeah, you're right, yeah. In regards to just, like, his intensity in playing, like, in the playoffs and things like that, um, which was lovely. <laughs> yeah. So we will see how it pans out there, but I thought that was an interesting tidbit to hear that a team like the Sharks, possibly looking at Mike Richards, unrelated, or no, actually one other former Kingston, this is very minor, but I just thought it was kind of interesting, in a Capitals game, Justin Williams was checked, and the check was, like, clean, but him and the other player got tangled up, and he ended up getting popped in the mouth with a stick and, like, bleeding, which is horrible. I don't want anything bad to happen to Justin Williams, but I think he's going to be okay. But the person who steamrolled him was Nick Delorier, so it was some former King um, prospects on former King crime. And I was like, come on, man. Nick Deloria, what's up? Uh, so that was unfortunate. But the thing about it is after Nick Deloria got in a fight, but after the fight, it was with Mike Latta, um, after the fight, which Nick Deloria pretty much won, and then he had the takedown. He did this, like, crazy, like, threw his arms up in the air sort of primal yell thing that I didn't really <laughs> understand. It was super bizarre. I was like, nobody should ever be that into a fight, but he really was. So I thought I would mention it just because it was weird. Sometimes the passion just like overtakes you and <laughs> things like that happen, apparently. Over beating up Mike Latta. Yeah, okay. Appar- apparently. He was like triumphant as he went to the penalty box. That was wild to me. I was like, all right. I didn't know people still cared about fighting quite this much. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be cool about it? Be like, yeah, I knew I was going to beat you. Not, right. like, some triumphant, like, music swelling in the background moment. <laughs> it was crazy. He just, I don't know, he just, like, had a beast moment. He really leaned into it. He was so proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Uh, unrelated to the NHL, NHL, unrelated to the Kings, I should say, 
the Winter Classic is coming up because, of course, it is the end of the year. And um, a cool thing is that the NWHL and the CWHL will be playing a game prior to it, or, yeah, before it. Two leagues, women's teams could be exciting. I'm so amped for it. I th- Yeah, I think it'll be really dope. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to be televised, or if it does get televised, it'll be like a delayed thing. I don't know. That's the other part of this, is that even though it's historic and awesome, it's also kind of a cluster. Yeah, because for a while, like, people, like, people, uh, or the national teams, like, wouldn't let anyone go. Right. Um, to, like, play in the games, and it's like, but don't you want to, you know, expand the sport and have people's interest be here, and, like, whether or not it was going to happen, and it was just all stupid (laughs) yeah and i think still those usa hockey players won't get to participate um and then also just it took a long time for it to be announced so there's no time to really market it or hype up ticket sales or whatever which is probably contributing to why it's not gonna be televised because like if nobody is actually there that looks bad on television um so i'm glad it's happening but i do hope that because they have figured out maybe how to all work together um, they really start planning for something like this for next year, like immediately, so that we could have an actual spectacle going on. Yeah, because there's nothing that shows how much faith you have in a game like this than announcing it like three days before. Right, yeah. So by you the know, way. like <laughs> it was all like, a, you know, solid rumors before, but like honestly being like, oh, hey, it's actually happening. Yeah. Like great timing. Right. So, yeah, all coming together at the last minute, but it is happening, which is pretty cool. And hopefully it happens again in in the in following years and they make it a bigger deal. Um, but I'm glad that they finally figured out enough to make it happen at all. And I hope it does get streamed or televised or something eventually because I'd really like to see it. Yeah, agreed. Okay. So the Kings have, I think, just one more game, right, before the new year. They are playing yep, the Calgary the Flames. Flames were on, like, a... 10-game home win streak or something like that, but they lost to the Anaheim Ducks, so that's done. So the Kings can go in there not intimidated by anything and hopefully win against them. That would be a lovely way to end 2015. Interesting thing is, even though the, the Flames got shut out tonight, Johnny Gaudreau has been a monster for them recently. The Kings, of course, have Tyler Toffoli, who technically at this moment has one more goal than Johnny Gaudreau. So we'll see of those two players who puts their best foot forward in that nice. game. Come on, Tyler Toffoli. Embarrass Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> no matter how much I like him, I would like you to demolish him. <laughs> right. And then, of course, Tyler Toffoli, uh, really good friends with Sean Monahan. They were junior besties. They played together on the same line for the Ottawa 67s. So that's always a nice, fun matchup. I like when people who know each other really well and get along have to play each other. It just adds a fun little element to it for me. Um, so that's that. And uh, Monaghan and Gaudreau are the top-line guys for that team and you know re- are relied on for a lot of their offense. So it'll be cool to see the Kings' top players go up against those top players. Um, and I hope Tyler Toffoli gets another hat trick. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's how I feel. Let's have Toffoli <laughs> get a hat trick. Um, Andre Kopitar have another four point night. Why not? Yeah. And for Trevor Lewis to score an empty net goal. Sure. Although now he's scored two goals on goaltenders, so I know. Who knows? Anything is possible. But it's so fun watching him score against absolutely no like trying so hard yeah. to score with no goalie in the net. <laughs> Alright, so we have that to look forward to and then it's the new year. 2016 cool things to happen um i quickly i guess before we go from the calendar year of 2015 can you think of a king's moment that was just either really memorable or that you really liked i don't know something from from this year that was worth mentioning again (laughs) it's funny because i was really only thinking of 2015 like the beginning of the season and not anything prior (laughs) to that i'm gonna say on ice i'm Honestly, just delighted about seeing King's prospects and rookies doing so well. I'm delighted to see Tyler Toffoli really hold his own um, and be like a true impact player on the team. Got a hat trick. Awesome. Glad to see, you know, Jordan Wheel getting ice time, Michael Mersch getting ice time, Forward getting out there. Just like 
it that is beautiful. And then off ice wise, I am delighted by the kings and dogs. Oh calendar. yeah, I'm glad that that really finally happened. Yes, I am so glad that that's not just a thing of our dreams, mm-hmm. but it is reality. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's see. From 2015 on ice. A few things, a few exciting moments, um, but one that I want to call out is that time the Los Angeles Kings in April beat the Edmonton Oilers 8-2. Oh, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Jeff Carter had two goals, Marion Gabrick had two goals, but also they had goals from guys like Jordan Nolan and now-retired Robin Regeer scored in that, go- that game. It was also the game where we were cheering for as we realized that the Kings were going to keep scoring and then got to see goaltender Tyler Buns. A great moment in Kings history. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about that. That is beautiful. So uh, I loved that game and they won it, which is nice because I feel like another really exciting game, of course, is always that game they played against Nashville where they had the cool comeback but then lost in overtime. Lost it, yeah. Um so the losing part kind of puts a damper on it, but the 8-2 game, pretty wild. A, that the Kings would score eight times, but B, all of the other shenanigans that went on. Um, and then also, I would agree, just getting to see young guys flourish with the Kings. Um, I really like that Nick Shore has become a regular part of this lineup, and I don't know, it's exciting. So And so far, this 2015 season has been a great time. The Kings crushing the Pacific, which is weak, but nobody knew that before the season started that it was going to be like that. Um, And it has worked out really well in the Kings' favor. Yeah, I'm glad that the Kings didn't fall um, to, like, the Pacific Division, like, all of it going down, all of them deteriorating. Glad the Kings stayed strong. Um, Didn't go down with the ship. (laughs) So that's good. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's been a good, a pretty delightful end of 2015. Sucks about early 2015, but the end's pretty cool. Yeah. Everyone, have a really great New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and we will talk to you next week. Hopefully the Kings win their last game, and then we have to face dreaded January, where the Kings have a .357 win percentage since 2010. (laughs) So, That's not good. That is not good at all. A horrifying number. We'll see if they can best that. They did a really good job in December. Hopefully they keep it up, keep the momentum going, and do really well in January and turn things around for us as fans. But we'll see. Winter is still happening. But uh, but so far the King's still mostly good. So um, at least we're going to end it on a high note, I think. Okay, everybody. You know where to find us. Twitter, THXBUD. Facebook, THXBUD. Email is chirp at thanksbud.com. Take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a happy new year.